I was 14 when this happened. I was at my friend Michael's house one night for a sleepover. We were up past midnight playing video games, as well as watching TV teen dramas and listening to pop music. Michael had had the house to himself for the weekend since his parents were out of town. Well, it was about 2 in the morning when we both heard footsteps from outside. We didn't go check it out because we didn't know if someone was trying to break in or something. Well, we looked at his mom's doorbell camera on the tablet that was on the nightstand in the living room, and we saw two men wearing ski masks walk past the house. Thankfully, they didn't come up to the house, but unfortunately, they went next door to the neighbor's house and busted down the door. Michael called the police, and they were there within five minutes. The police brought out two guys in handcuffs. Thankfully, nothing was actually stolen, but the guys admitted to trying to steal the 65-inch TV in the neighbor's house. Thankfully, it didn't happen to us, though. I'm a 20-year-old female, but this happened when I was 13. I was staying the night at my ex-best friend's house. We were best friends at the time, but not anymore. I'll call her T for this story. I was always a big girl and had a lot of force. I always gave T piggyback rides. That'll be important in the story. It was around 3 p.m. when we got bored with painting. On that day, we were working on an art project and we were partners. I don't really remember now what it was for though. This was on a Saturday and we wanted to finish our project and not do it at last minute. We had a history of doing that kind of a lot. T had the idea to walk to the park that was close to her house, and she thought it was a good idea to bring her golden retriever puppy named Marley along with us. T's mom wasn't home at this time because she was always doing grocery shopping, and so T thought it was better that her mom wasn't home. We ended up getting ready, and we left at around 3.30 p.m. I will now tell you about the outline from T's house to the park. Now, T's house was on the right, a big white house, and it had two floors and a big driveway. From where T's house was, if you walked straight for 12 minutes, you had to cross the road and then you would reach the park. It was a sunny day with some clouds as me and T crossed the road and we reached the park. The park was pretty huge, but most of the time it was empty because I live in a small unknown town in Washington State and I barely see anyone there unless it's a baseball or soccer game or someone having a birthday party in the picnic areas. So anyways, me and T went pretty far into the park and we had played on the playground with Marley for almost two hours. But I had noticed a car driving around a few times. It was a grayish 2012 Chevy Impala. I knew this because my dad had taught me the names of models and cars, and it had started to really bother me seeing this car. I told T what I saw, and she said, Yeah, I'd noticed that car circling around us a lot. Do you think they want to take us or something? She gave me a concerned look, and I replied back with, Well, it sure seems like it. I think we should leave now. I'm starting to get freaked out. Me and T got off the playground and went to go grab Marley. While we put on his leash, I saw the same car circle around us, but this time it went slower. I felt my blood go cold as I looked at the driver 
and it was an old white man. He looked like he was in his 50s, and he had a smirk on his face. He was wearing glasses, too, and he was staring right at us. T had noticed the car go farther away from us, and this was our chance to run out of there. In this park, there was a big amount of trees, and me and T were hiding behind this huge tree, with T holding Marley. The car came back, but this time it was speeding. After it passed us, we then ran as fast as we could. We ran across the baseball fields and soccer fields that were in the park entrance. My lungs felt as if they were going to give out on how fast I was going. T was behind me, gripping onto Marley for dear life. I grabbed T's hand, pulling her forward. Luckily, there were no cars on the road, so we kept going. T then screamed as she saw the same car from behind us. We ran into a neighbor's yard, and we saw the old man actually stop his car and run behind us. I was screaming in my head at this point. Don't get caught. Please don't get caught. T was falling behind, and the old man was so close to us at this point. Now, T was super tiny. She was always very tiny like that from what I remembered. So I literally scooped her up with Marley in her hands, and I'd never ran so fast in my life. The adrenaline kicked in so hard that day. I can still feel the burning in my lungs at this very moment. I decided not to run to T's house and instead confuse the old man. So I went in front of a house and I hid behind a bush. I then put T down while we saw the old man go behind another house. And when it was finally clear and we didn't see him, we ran straight all the way to T's house, locking the door behind us. T's mom still wasn't home yet and we never told her. Not even to this day or any authorities, because we were really scared we'd get in trouble. However, luckily we never saw that old man again. Even to this day, I still sometimes get nightmares about that scary old man grabbing us and taking us away. But thank God that didn't happen. I was 11 years old when this happened. At the time, I was living in an apartment situated on a street with ongoing construction. Needless to say, they often tapped into the electric supply, and the power fluctuated quite a bit. Therefore, the streetlights often served no real purpose, especially in the winters when evening dawned on us with pitch-black darkness. That is relevant, so keep it in mind. From what I remember, it was a weekend I was supposed to spend at my friend's house. For an 11-year-old me, this was an exciting prospect, having been loaded with schoolwork the entire week. I was to spend what I believed to be Friday night sleeping over and spend the entirety of Saturday at her bungalow to return home that very evening. What made it even better was the fact that her parents had an event they couldn't avoid and therefore trusted us to stay alone in their two-floor house for the entirety of the six hours that they were gone. Back then... The idea of spending a whole night alone with my friend was great. No interference, and a whole six hours of games and movies on their huge TV. As it turns out, my friend had other ideas. I arrived at her house just short of 8pm. It was already pretty dark out, and her parents had waited for me to arrive before telling us about emergency contacts, dinner, and such. They also reminded us to get their four-year-old Labrador inside as the weather was acting up 
and his kennel had a few loose panels which leaked when it rained. After they left, we had watched a few cartoons, had dinner, and were chilling in her living room playing cards. That's when my friend, who we'll call Sid, had the ingenious idea of exploring a fenced plot of land a few 100 meters down the street that she resided on. There was no construction happening in there, so what little of that area didn't have shambles was overgrown with plants and weeds. We got the dog inside, leashed it to the long chain that allowed it to roam within reason, got the keys, and then left the house to make the short 10-minute trip. At this point, it was about 10 p.m. In retrospect, this is where we still had a chance to avoid this particular encounter, but being the curious and daring 11-year-olds that we were, we ventured anyways. Rather uneventfully, we arrived and set the climbing over the two-meter wall. Luckily for us, the wall was broken enough in places to make good holds to carry us over. Once inside, Sid suggested that we sit a few meters away from each other for as long as we could until one of us was too scared to do so. We faced each other and walked backwards until there was just enough light to see the general silhouette of one another. After what seemed to be like a good ten minutes, I saw Sid's hunched form rise and start to walk towards me. She seemed to be walking rather fast and in a haphazard manner, jumping over rocks and such at a daring pace, even getting cut by some of the thorns in the process. She came up to me, and just as I was about to laugh and call her out on being scared, she told me to get up because she needed to go feed Shaggy. I remember being really confused because her parents had already filled his bowl with food, and he also had this water thing which he could operate in case he was thirsty. But I saw her face, and let me just say, I have never ever seen her this pale. She looked like she had seen a ghost. So without asking questions, I said okay. And we made our way back over the wall, albeit in a tense manner and rather quickly. The moment my feet touched the ground, I had felt Sid grab onto my arm and straight up just started sprinting down the street. To put things into perspective, I had a bruise from the way she grasped it for two weeks straight. So it ran like hell was chasing us. We then arrived at her house and we went in through a front yard fence gate. It was a towering metal gate without bars and she told me to unlock the front door while she deadbolted the metal gate's various locks into the ground and the two gates to one another. At this point, I was starting to panic, but we got into the house and Sid then proceeded to run around the house locking and closing all possible windows and doors, as well as pulling the curtains shut. I was very confused as to why she was doing this, and so was her dog, who literally stood there and followed her around while doing so. After about 10 minutes, she came back into the ground floor living room, and with a very scared expression, then explained to me the very reason she did all that. So while we were sitting apart, she happened to glance away from a few meters to my right, to see another human silhouette crouching in the bushes. She thought that she was imagining it until it then moved closer to where I was sitting and seemed to be unaware that my friend was watching them. She didn't want to startle me or the person, so she made up having to feed her dog as an excuse to get the hell out of there without alerting the person still crouching there. After hearing this, I was quite shaken up and we then hugged each other for a few minutes. We decided not to tell our parents, as they very much warned us not to go out of her compound. 
We didn't want this to be our last time of alone time together having fun. So we peeked out the window into the street, which seemed to be empty as far as we could see. And we proceeded to put it behind us as excitement took over our minds once again. I would really love to say that that was the end of it. But what happened next, it has honestly stuck with me till this day. And I hold a deep fear of that situation from that point onward. To give you an idea of the layout of her compound, her house was surrounded on two sides by a lawn, and the lawn was then surrounded by a wall some two and a half meters high. The wall had one entrance, which was the tall metal gates that I talked about previously. The house itself had windows all around the perimeter as well as two potential entrances. The first being the front door, while the second being a door to the small attached space next to the house which was made of a see-through metal Kind of like the kind which metal fences are made of, but stronger. The space had a metal door with a lock only accessible from the inside, as well as a door which was on the wall the space was attached to inside the space. However, this door only had a deadbolt on and was made of light wood. This is also of importance. So, an hour or so in after the incident, we were now upstairs in her air-conditioned room playing games on her computer, while also talking about whatever it is that 11-year-olds talk about, when we then heard the dog bark downstairs. It was growling, and it seemed to bark at random intervals. Keep in mind that her dog was a friendly Labrador who rarely ever growled or barked aggressively. My friend went to get the dog upstairs to her room, and after she returned, she informed me that the dog was standing near the front door and growling at it, and that it took her quite a bit of effort to get him to go upstairs, as he just kept trying to go back there. We were really confused, as this was really unusual for him to do, and thinking that maybe there was a stray dog that may have caught his attention, we decided to go into the balcony attached to our room, which then gave us a view into the front lawn, and also part of the street that was directly in front of the house. Instead of seeing what we assumed would be a stray dog slash cat, we looked down to see a person standing very still on her lawn, and right in front of her front door. In the limited light, we can make out heavy layers of muddy-looking clothing and a head full of hair that looked very matted. The dog was with us in the balcony and was whining to be let outside. We crouched in her balcony, and right as we were about to discuss on what we should do, we heard what sounded like the front door then rattling, as if someone was trying to open it with a handle. We crept back downstairs only to realize that this person had now moved onto the window next to the door and was trying to open that. The realization hit that he was trying to find an entrance into the house by going around the perimeter. Just as we were about to creep back upstairs, my friend grabbed me again, and in a hushed tone, told me she had forgotten to lock the attached space door in her hurry from before. We both looked at each other and paled as we realized that it would gain the intruder easy access into the house as the inner door had nothing but a deadbolt. At this point, we had heard the windows rattling behind the house, nearly three quarters on the way back to the front again. The attached space door was a few meters away from the front door, and we were really lucky that he had chosen to go around to the other side. She told me to wait by the inner door with the dog, while she went outside and bolted the metal door. She then informed me to close the door as soon as she returned, and that if she was happened to get caught, let the dog outside, and to close the inner door as discreetly as possible as to not give myself away. We were both absolutely terrified, 
and since we had no time to argue about it, I stood guard at the inner door while she went to the outer door, fumbled with the lock, and then returned inside practically running as quietly as she could. We closed the inner door, and just then, we had heard the outer door rattle harshly. Had she not gone there and then, there was a big chance that we would have no choice but to hide in her house, had he actually found his way in. After this, he tried opening all the doors and windows, which took a while, as he was doing it quite intently and forcefully. We found our way back upstairs and went back into her balcony to see if he had gone away, as we had then stood near the foot of her stairs for a while, just listening for any further activity. As we looked down, we had saw him once again standing in her front lawn. However, this time we could see his head was now tilted back, and it felt like he was looking right at us. However, we knew that it was far too dark for him to be able to spot us, along with closing all the windows and such shut, and we then proceeded to kill the lights in her room, as well as draw the curtains as to not let her little bedside lamp escape the blinds. He then started giggling in the quiet of the night, and proceeded to go down on all fours crawling around the lawn in front of her house, while his crazy laughter grew. In retrospect, we should have called the authorities at this point, but being the terrified 11-year-olds we were, we didn't want to get in trouble for not even being able to follow simple instructions. This guy did this for nearly half an hour, only to stand up once again, facing the street, and then climbing on top of the kennel in the corner on top of the wall, and then jumping down. We still stood in her balcony, waiting to see if he would return, but about an hour or so passed where he didn't, and that was the last we saw of him the entirety of the night until around 2am when her parents returned. The next morning, they were very confused as to why all the doors and windows were closed on such a pleasant night, and on why there was mud on the front doorknob. We said that we just wanted to play in the dark inside the house, lying about the actuality of the situation, and to this day, I don't think the man has ever been caught. Hey everyone, I hope you all enjoyed these stories. If you ever want to submit your own, you can do so at southerncannibal.com. Have a good night everyone, and remember, to always...